0: Dave from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night
1: Live. I'm your co-host John Trumbull. and I'm your co-host Darren Patterson. Hey, Darren, how you doing? doing all right. Doing okay, my good friend. Uh, you know, just, just just riding out this summer, doing you know, living the life, chasing a dream. You know, making uh, making 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 things happen, as they say, here in the NJ. What what are you making happen? Oh. Uh, Nothing. Damn it. You called me. You called my bluff. I got nothing. I got nothing going on, man. Nothing. All right. All right. Well, I mean, you went to a barbecue. Yeah, I did. I went to a barbecue. That was nice. I had like a nice little burger. Uh, Oh, I didn't tell you this off camera. I got into a little bit of a a fender bender today, too, with the car. Oh,
0: no, that's that's no good. Was that on the way back?
1: No, no, it was actually happened on Friday. I was making like this broken U-turn, like on my street in front of my Place and as I was in the middle of the street and I was about to make the turn, and then some dude tries to like go past me, so he like tries to drive past me while I'm making the broken U-turn, and he ends up dinging the front of my car and like I you mm-hmm. know we had to exchange information and it was a whole thing. The kid was like it was like a young kid like a like a teenager, it's one of these young hood rats, uh-huh. and like I'm pretty sure it wasn't even his car. It might have been his like his dad's or something. You think it was hot? Yes, <laughs> it, it might have been stolen exactly. Although the fast, he might have been all fast and furious. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So now I got a I got a dinged up car, and like I got to talk to the insurance people, and that's gonna be a whole rigmarole. No, and that's and, a and drag. I, I yeah, yeah. Aha yeah, drag race. But uh, yeah, so that's I got that going on for me. That's that's something. <laughs> well, I mean, the car's still drivable though, right? It is still drivable, but now people are gonna see me with the dinged-up car. Like I got a reputation here yeah. out here in these streets in New Jersey. People expect when they see me, they they see uh, a pristine. They they don't want to see me driving around some dented-up jalopy. No, like they, no. they that reflects badly. Maintain. Yeah, that reflects poorly on me and 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 uh, in my rep. So now right. what I'm gonna do? What like what, what? Oh, it's hard being me. That's all I'm saying. It it's hard out there for a pimp. It really is. It really is. That song really gets to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. hard out here for a pimp. Think about it, man. <laughs> it's poetry. I am. That song <laughs> has a lot of depth to it. Really does. I mean, mm-hmm. my lord. I mean, you can. It's a, it's, it's a thinker. It makes you laugh, makes you cry. You could probably play it at uh, weddings and funerals, quinceaneras. That song has it all, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think.
0: Absolutely. Well, right. hey. Well, I'm sorry to hear that happen. That, yeah, that's it's all nice. right. I'll
1: I'll be all right. I, I will survive. I will survive. Hey, hey. Mm. So that, that's another song.
0: That that is that is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Should we go into the topic of the podcast at any point? You think?
1: Oh, or we're not gonna. We're just gonna. We're not gonna just talk and catch up. There's actually a, a point. to all I this. mean, we could. I feel like we <laughs> would start trying people's patience after a while
0: because our
1: lives. <laughs> Are not that interesting. (laughs) Our listeners are like, yeah, 20 minutes in, they start talking about doing laundry and going grocery shopping. I just want to hear about this movie. Yeah, I mean, those are like the big events of our (laughs) week. So I separate the whites from the towels, and I use a new I use a new fabric softener. Oh and I gotta admit it's better than my old one. (gasps) Yeah. It's like it has a nice floral scent, very soft to the touch. I was like, oh, I think I might use more of this uh, snuggle
0: here. How, how many, how many uh, sheets of, of the bounce are you putting in with the dryer? Excellent question.
1: Now, sometimes I'll go one to two. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when I want to treat myself, like really pamper myself, I'll put in three or four. Really, wow. Yeah, like I'll really wow, go wild. Like,
0: I really don't want these clothes to cling together.
1: Exactly. Like I really want it to be like a like a spa day. Like sure. I want these. I want these nice, fluffy, non clingable towels and socks and whatnot. And like I, dude, they come. They come out pristine. I mean, mama mia. Like they they really, Calgon, take me away. They really are. They really. They really do something to me. Good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. And now let's talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, we amuse
1: ourselves, if no one uh, else. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm having a great time. And, uh, you know, a great time was had uh, with watching the movie this week, because it's it's a cult classic. It's, it's a favorite of both ours. We're doing 1985's Clue, starring Christopher Guest, uh, Eileen Brennan, Michael McKean, Madeline Kahn, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, uh, uh, Christopher I- Lloyd.
1: Yeah, I don't think Christopher Guest was in this film.
0: No, think... no, Christopher Guest was not in this film.
1: Did you watch Wait, Waiting for Guffman again, thinking it was Clue? I
0: did not. I mm. there are surprisingly few murders in Waiting for Guffman.
1: Mm, few, but not not any. Or but uh, yeah, this is this is a fun movie. This it's a movie that didn't do very well on its initial release. Uh, yeah, this movie came out December thirteenth, nineteen eighty five. Had a budget of 15 mil, made 14.6. So, yee. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, screenplay and this was written by Jonathan Lynn, directed by Jonathan Lynn. Uh, you might know, he. this was his first film. He went on to do some other pretty big films, such as My Cousin Vinny, which mm-hmm. I, to me, that's comedy royalty. Uh, the Whole Nine Yards with Bruce Willis and Matthew Perry. Um, and to keep it in the SNL family, he directed uh, Sergeant Bilko with Steve Martin and The Distinguished Gentleman with Eddie Murphy, which I always, my friends have always told me is a lot better than the ads made it look out to be. So, like, maybe I never we'll... saw
0: The Distinguished Gentleman. I actually learned researching this podcast that after he did Clue, he was originally set to direct Roxanne, the Steve Martin film, next. Oh, But when Clue didn't do well, he was let go from that.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Yeah, so...
1: That's unfortunate. That's a bummer. I mean, it's not, it wasn't his fault that the film didn't do well. I think, I mean, I, I, you know, rewatching the film, I really think it might've been ahead of its time. I think like maybe people didn't really like maybe had a hard time sort of grasping the concept. I mean, because it's, it's also like a dark comedy, but it's also like a mystery, but it also gets kind of slapsticky in some places. It also kind of feels like a, like a play. It to me, it's like like almost like dinner, yeah. There, there actually theater.
0: is a stage version. Um, the one of the community theaters near me, the Barn Theater in Montville, New Jersey, they're doing Ooh. a stage version of it this fall. I got a flyer for it in the mail uh, just the other day.
1: Oh, far out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty groovy. Neato. All right, cool. But uh, yeah, yeah. This um, this film. What was it? Uh, oh yeah. Screenplay by Jonathan Lynn. Story by John Landis and Jonathan Lynn.
0: Yeah. So, Hey now. Yeah. The the there's a there's a cool oral history of the film on BuzzFeed. Um and John Landis, he talks about how he was writing this film and he, he was he was doing okay. He was it was going pretty well until like he gets to the end where Wadsworth was like, All right, I know who did it, I know how the murders were committed. And then he was like, I have no idea how the murders <laughs> were committed. And he was like, This is why I need a real writer, and that's uh, uh, and I, I just gotta love that you know it's like oh yeah the mystery it's it's kind of easy up until you have to solve
1: it yeah because I mean well as, as much as I love this film that is one of the things where I guess it kind of throws me where it does get a bit kind of complicated as to mm-hmm. you know what, like once you try to f- figure out or follow the story about like who knows who and, right. and the, the connection what happened has. When... Like, yeah what happened when and whatnot. It's all yeah. like a little like all right, wait. So who? All right, so that he's that guy. He knows him from a pro, from a thing, and it's uh, you know to keep all those red strings connected. It, it gets a little, gets a little puzzling at sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I I'm forgiving of that because it is more of a comedy than a mystery. So the main rule is, is it funny? So and I I think it it is a brilliantly funny movie, and I think I think it's really clever. I mean I think it's clever in both how it's constructed plot-wise mm. and there are also some really clever lines in there.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. There are some some humdingers of lines in this film. I really I really enjoyed them. Like I, I wrote down a bunch of like, oh, that's a that's a snappy line right there. Yeah. Um yeah. wait, so as far as this movie goes, when did this movie come into your life? Did you I mean, I mean, it came out in 85, so I'm a, Assuming you didn't see it in the theater, or no,
0: I actually did see it in the theaters. Uh, what I would, have been, I would have been 13 years old when this movie came out, so I saw oh. it. It was probably sometime in December or maybe in January of '86. And the big gimmick of this film, because it's based on the board game, um, uh-huh. the board game known as Clue in the U.S. and Cluedo in the U.K. I don't know why it's called Cluedo. Um, and the gimmick was that in in the board game, like you have you have a murder victim, Mr. Body, and you have to figure out who the killer was, what the, the murder weapon was, and where the murder was committed. You have all these cards and, and it's a fun right. game as I recall. I haven't played it in years, but yeah, it's been a minute for me. yeah too. but the, the gimmick in keeping with the board game where the board game could have different solutions each time was that they were do multiple endings for the movie. Which sounds like a cool idea. So you're thinking like, oh yeah, so people will go to the theater and see the different endings. And I actually did go see this twice in its original theatrical release, and I was lucky enough to see two endings.
1: Oh, nice! So it's yeah. fantastic.
0: So, so I, I dug it from the start. Um, I, I was an early clue adopter. <laughs> okay. So what fantastic. about you? I'm assuming you were like one
1: of the people who caught it on cable or on TV sometime. Yeah, I think it's one of the things where, actually, my sister really liked this movie before I did, so I think she mm-hmm. saw it on, uh, because, like, this was one of those movies that would rerun on, like, TBS or, um, you know, the WPIX networks later, yeah. like, on a, on Sunday afternoons and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think she watched it there, and she, like, really liked it, though it was funny, and I was kind of like, uh, eh, I don't know, maybe, and then, like, later on, I just sat down and watched it, like, I think... And then I saw like how funny it was, and I think around, I started around the time where I realized that there was like a whole sort of cult of people that really enjoyed this movie. Like, I mean, to yeah. this day, there's still like tons of like you know fans and underground fans that really love this movie. I think it's almost to the point where there has been talks of them doing a Clue reboot. Uh, like a film reboot, I f- I believe. Yes.
0: Yeah. Ryan Reynolds has yes. the rights to uh, do a <coughs> remake, and he was working on it with the writers from Deadpool, mm. and that was announced in 2018. And I don't I don't know if you remember, uh, like a few years ago when this was first announced. You and I and a, a couple of my other friends, we actually did a whole Facebook thread, and we we came up with a, a modern
1: day cast for the movie. Oh wow! Yeah, we did. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. I forgot who I said. I think who did you say? You said it was like you mentioned somebody that was like. I thought that was perfect for it. For, uh,
0: well, I've i got it up. I've come up with okay. Well, I'm. Let's run through it now, since since okay. we came up with uh, for Wadsworth the Tim Curry part. Uh, I came up with Benedict Cumberbatch. Perfect. And, and this this is like four four or five years ago. So I at this point I don't remember who suggested what person for what part. Um, okay. But it was it was you, me, my friend Frankie, and our friend uh, Molly Sperduto, who oh, gave nice. the most suggestions. Um, I have Christina Hendricks as Miss Scarlet.
1: Mm. The uh, uh,
0: Leslie M. Warren role. Mm. Um, How This one I really like. I have uh, J.K. Simmons as Colonel Mustard.
1: That was it. I thought that was, like, spot on perfect. That's, that's pretty brilliant, I think. Like, I don't know
0: who came up with that, but I'm just like, wow. Like, stop drilling, you've hit oil exactly um uh, unfortunately our choice for mrs peacock has since passed away we chose uh, uh jessica walter from arrested development and archer cool. so she's yeah. since passed on so we'd have to find somebody else for that role um this next cool. one i i like too um neil patrick harris for mr green that's good yeah 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 that's... yeah I, I, he could have a lot of fun with that part absolutely um, for Professor Plum, we had John C. Riley.
1: I have a okay. feeling that was Frankie's choice. Um, okay, I, I could see him doing it. I mean, not I, my not, not my first choice, but I could see him doing it.
0: Like I wrote at the time, it was like I, I see about six different ways John C. Riley could play Professor Plum, and they and they would all be pretty hilarious. So I think that was what the clincher was for me. But I Ooh. mean, Christopher Lloyd's one of my favorite people in the movie. Um, the next choice I, I I think is pretty perfect too, uh, for Mrs. White we had Kate McKinnon.
1: Mmm, get some SNL in there. Yeah, that
0: would yeah, work. Yeah, I mean she's like the closest we have to a modern day
1: Madeleine Kahn. I think so. You know what? That's that's actually pretty spot on. Yep, I think yeah, so. I
0: um, for Yvette the maid that Colleen Camp played, uh, we chose Kate Upton. Hey now, oh yeah, I remember
1: Kate Upton. Yes. Big yeah, old I deal. guess
0: she's not as big as she used to be, but I mean, she's, I guess, mostly known as the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, but she's been in the odd movie or two. I know she was in the Three Stooges movie they did a few years back. and Yeah,
1: yeah. I, although I think nowadays they probably say you should have for that Yvette, uh, Sydney Sweeney from uh, Euphoria. Yeah. She's kind, yeah. Of, she's kind I of blown up. And... She's got
0: the right look for it, and she's like a trendy person right now, so. Yeah, yeah. Um we for the singing telegram girl we, we chose Ellie Kemper from the office. <laughs> That's and, perfect and too. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, because she has to be like super perky in about ten seconds and then gets <laughs> shot to death. <laughs> <Da-da-da-da-da-da>. <laughs> and for Mr. Body, uh chose Bill Murray.
1: Perfect. Yeah, hey, yeah. he'd be down for it. It's like, oh, only half a day of work and I'm and I'm dead. Perfect. Done. I,
0: I think Bill Murray would like the idea of just being dragged around as a corpse
1: for half the movie.
0: I think he would get a kick out of that.
1: Yeah. If there's anybody that could see the humor in that, it's Mr. William Murray. Yeah. I mean he he played he played
0: the dead mayor in Parks
1: and Recreation.
0: So this is this is just a nice expansion from that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it. actually in in the nineteen eighty five movie, Mr. Body is played by Lee Ving, who's the lead singer of the punk group Fear. Yeah, um, sir. So. Who and he, he looks so much like Bill Murray in this movie that I think when I first saw this as a kid,
1: I thought it was Bill Murray using an alias. <laughs> I mean, if you tell somebody your name is Leaving, that does kind of sound like a fake name. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I have no oh, idea. My name is, yeah, my name is
0: Leaving. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. I have no idea if that's his real name or not. I don't know
1: a great deal about Fear, but... I mean, I all yeah. All I know about them is that they performed at SNL that one the infamous Halloween episode, right? Where uh, like they only had Fear on just so because Belushi wanted them, and right. like so they figure, well, if we can get Belushi on the show for a minute, we'll we'll put up with this band Fear and um, guys, look it up. It it was one of the most infamous. Like live, they, they
0: were. They did stage diving, which wasn't a real common thing at the time. And I
1: think they destroyed their equipment, and yeah, all all sorts of, yeah, wacky, things went on. Yeah, and I think it because it, it was Halloween for some reason. I think there were like jack o' lanterns and pumpkins around. So I, I believe there were like smashed pumpkins, not the band, but like you know, pumpkins getting destroyed, and like around the around the studio and uh, in the and uh, the audience was rightfully terrified of the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, live television, that's, that's going to happen, but <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I, it'd be interesting to see what they end up doing with the remake. Um, I, I found a quote from one of the writers, uh, Rhett Reese, who says, we've written a draft of Clue. It's still in development over at Fox uh, 20th Century Studios. So it's sort of bumping forward, whether it becomes a movie or not is generally in the hands of the movie gods and not ourselves. So we did our best on it. We're proud of it. We love the franchise, and Ryan's schedule is a busy one, so he has to choose among many projects. Oh. So you know, we'll see if that eventually comes to fruition. Um, okay. All right. So but, it's you know, I mean, I think a, a remake could be cool if you do it right. Yeah. I just hope they wouldn't change it too too much because
1: I th- I think the original movie is pretty perfect. You know, it's pretty fantastic. I mean, it's all it all takes place in one central location, this huge mm-hmm. house. Uh, the movie takes place in New England, nineteen fifty-four, um, right. and the the whole house is actually, from what I've seen, is like a the entire house is a set, except for the ballroom, which was and it was shot on location at a mansion in Pasadena, California. So it's yeah, very they, like
0: they, they built this the entire oh, interior cool. as a set, and it, that was like one million of the movie's budget. Um, and then Ooh. after the movie was done, <laughs> apparently they, they took that set and they used it on the TV show Dynasty as the Carlton Hotel.
1: Oh so, nice. Fancy. So yeah. They, they so... got a little mileage
0: out of that set. So that that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's a really impressive set. And just like the board game, we have all the different locations. You've got you got the ballroom, you got the conservatory, you've got the kitchen, you've got the the, the billiard library. Room. Yeah. The
1: billiard room and study. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm you got all that stuff and there's one thing that i didn't even notice until i read the trivia on it in imdb uh-huh. is uh, so the movie starts off as a dark and rainy night and all of our um, cast of characters they drive up to the mansion and mm-hmm. as they're driving up in their cars each the color of each car is also the same color as the game piece of the character from the board game so like i,
0: uh, I literally did not notice that until this viewing of it but yeah miss <laughs> hey? scarlet drives a red car professor plum has a, a plum colored car. Uh, Mr. Green is, comes up in a green car and so on. I mean, that, that was really clever. And that's a nice subtle way. Cause I like that the movie wasn't so on the nose that they put everybody in the color because in the movie we find out that all those
1: names are aliases. Right. Absolutely. Like that's we, a new thing they did.
0: Yeah. Which, which is a cool way to do it because it, it would be very contrived if, if they were, if it was everybody's real name. Um, so yeah, everybody comes in and, and they're like, Oh yeah, we're just being addressed by aliases. And we find out that all
1: these people are being blackmailed. Right. For
0: like various reasons.
1: Right. They all find out, well, they find out that they're also, they all work at, they all work and live in DC. And then they, they all mean. have like some type of connection to, uh, the government. So they all either work yep. for the government or something like that. So they all have that in common. Then they also, also find out that they're all being blackmailed as well, like you said. Yeah, yeah.
0: And there's a nice variance of reasons uh, why they're being blackmailed. Um, Mrs. Peacock, we find out that she's a senator's wife, and she's been taking uh, kickbacks from lobbyists so that to ensure her husband's vote. Um, uh, Professor uh, Plum is... He works for the UN, but he used to be a psychiatrist and he lost his medical license because he had an affair with one of his patients.
1: Yeah, Christopher Lloyd really, he's a straight up horn dog in this film. He like, I think.
0: (laughs) And it's kind of amazing that he did this performance and Doc Brown in Back to the Future in the same year. I think that's a good year, man.
1: That's a solid year, yeah. But, uh, yeah, even even
0: though this movie didn't do very well, I mean, nobody has anything to be ashamed of artistically. It's. It's a total artistic success, I think. It just wasn't marketed well, so it didn't do very well at the box office. Yeah, that's um, a bummer. Uh but yeah, Professor Plum was Mr. great Her- too. I
1: like I also noticed this one thing in the in the trivia where it says like you said, he, he uh he's uh he works for the World Health Organization, part yeah. of the United Nations organizations, which means mm-hmm. he works for UNOWHO, you know who. You know who. Uh yeah. Uh? Yeah, yeah. Uh? There's, there's a lot
0: of wordplay in the script in this. Um, uh, let's see, let's run through the other characters. Uh, Miss Scarlet, we find out that she is a madam. She runs like a prostitution ring in the DC area. And so she, of course, her clients include many important and powerful people. Um, Mr. Green works for the State Department and he is being blackmailed because he is a homosexual, which Ooh. in 1954 was... Considered a no-no and a, a huge potential security risk. Oh, boy. You know, precisely because <laughs> of that blackmail reason. Right. And uh, who else? Who am I forgetting? Colonel Mustard.
1: Uh, right. Colonel Mustard. Uh, um, uh, but if he was, like, selling secrets. And he's also, he also knew Miss Scarlet, too, which means he was a client yeah. of hers in the, uh, the, the House of Ill Repute. Yeah, and, and
0: Mrs. White, Madeleine Kahn's character, uh, she is dressed like a grieving widow with the, with the veil over her face and everything. And we find out that at least a couple of her husbands, she's been married five times, at least a couple of her husbands have died under mysterious
1: circumstances. So mm. that, uh, that raises an eyebrow. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So all of them have something to hide. And Tim Curry, as Wadsworth the butler, He's he's like, you, you are all here tonight because you are being blackmailed, and you are being blackmailed by the seventh dinner guest, and that is Mr. Body.
1: Dun, dun, played dun. dun. By
0: leaving from fear. Oh, yeah. Oh. And and uh, Mr. Body is like, yeah, I'm, I'm blackmailing you, and here, I'm going to hand out all these murder weapons, and you will all try to kill Wadsworth and then I'm going to
1: go on blackmailing it. N- not a great plan. Not the best because I, b- I believe that he said like he already called the police and they're on their way. They should be there in 45 yeah. minutes. <laughs> they said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah. And also that the conversation they just had is being tape recorded. Then we see Yvette in the billiard room with the tape player. Yeah. And then yeah. leave uh, Mr. Body gives everybody a murder weapon Saying, hey, I'm going to turn off the light, and if you kill the butler, we can all just walk out of here like nothing happened. And I'll keep on blackmailing yeah. you. And uh, maybe you yeah. didn't think that through all the way. You
0: didn't think that through real strongly. And the murder weapons are, of course, the classic weapons from the board game. We've got the revolver, the knife, the wrench, the lead pipe, the rope, which is you know formed into a noose, of course. And uh, what's the other one? I'm blanking on the sixth one.
1: Uh, candlestick holder? The candlestick, yes. Mm-hmm. Thank
0: you. So, um, yeah, so he turns out the lights and then there's screaming and commotion. A gunshot goes off and then when the lights come back on, Mr. Body is dead on the ground. Dun, dun, and nobody dun. knows who did it because mm-hmm. there was a struggle
1: over the gun. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, one thing I like about this movie, it does kind of start off like kind of serious and foreboding, but then... Like the jokes kind of get sprinkled in a little bit here and there, and then as mm-hmm. as the, as the uh, movie goes on and the pace picks up, like the jokes get more and more spread out, and until like the very end where it's this like big kind of you know big kind of comedic commotion, like almost like slapsticky uh, noises off it type did, of uh, yeah, it
0: does get more frantic as it goes. Yeah, that's the
1: Yeah, like it starts yeah. off with. Um, yeah. I mean, because
0: I mean, because it's a farce. Uh, so, and, you know, a good farce will always build and get more and more absurd as you go. And, like, over the course of the evening, like, everybody's locked into the mansion, so nobody can leave. And they all have to stay there until the police arrive, and they have to try and figure out who the potential killer is. And there are some other characters there, too. There's the, the cook, um, there's Yvette the maid, and there are a few other people who come by over the course of the evening. There's a motorist who comes by, there's a cop who... Uh, comes by to investigate the motorist's abandoned car. Uh, there's a singing telegram girl. Uh, yes. There's uh, a there's a, a an evangelist who comes by. <laughs> a lot of people are stopping by this mansion.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Really, this this mansion was a, a hot spot, apparently. And uh, yeah, it's also a popular uh, joint. It's popular. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, um, like you mentioned, the the maid Yvette, who was not a character in the game, uh, played by Colleen Camp uh they they mm-hmm. really kind of she's just pretty much like a walking pair of boobs in this in this whole film very like there's always like mention of her like low-cut cleavage, and just do, everybody just kind of staring at him. yeah it's, yeah
0: she's being like ogled throughout the movie she's in like the the traditional french maid outfit and it's like you know a low-cut thing and she's She's, you know, a voluptuous woman. She's like kind of squeezed into this. So they, they have a lot of jokes about that. And Yeah. And uh, Professor Plum in particular is ogling her throughout the movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, according to IMDB, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Demi Moore, and Madonna were considered for the role of uh, Yvette. Uh, but eager to earn the part, Colleen Camp went to her audition in a French-made costume. And in a 2013 BuzzFeed retrospective. Writer and director Jonathan Lynn admitted that although he was impressed with Camp's comedic acting skills, it was her well-endowed figure that ultimately convinced him there was no avoiding it so
0: I think I think they were
1: there paraphrasing
0: that a bit. I've got the BuzzFeed thing up here I don't I don't have the quote here exactly, but I think he was saying the opposite oh really' um, yeah, long hang
1: on let me see if I can find it. IMPB's lying to me? Say it ain't so. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh,
0: yeah, well, it, it said, yeah, okay, here, here's what it says in the BuzzFeed article. He said, He says, I just found her hilarious, says Lynn. Did Camp's considerable décolletage play any role in casting her? Not really, says Lynn. I mean, the bosom is there. There was no avoiding it. So, yeah, oh. that's the exact opposite. Of what IMDb was saying, I what don't know f- who typed that up for IMDb, but what the but, fuck, IMDb? Yeah, no, she, she got the she got the role for her performance reasons. Folks. IMDb made
1: me look the fool here on my own podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel betrayed. I feel betrayed. Oh my god, I don't know what to believe. Look, right is down, up is right and left. Oh, I know, I know. All yeah. right. Well, I mean, does the uh, in the info that you say does it mention that? Uh, Carrie Fisher was originally cast to play Miss Scarlet? Yes. Carrie Fisher was originally
0: cast to play Miss Scarlet. And, uh, and she she went into rehab uh, just like a week or so before they started shooting. Yipes. And apparently for a little bit, uh, Carrie Fisher was like, oh, no, no. They'll let me out to shoot the movie during the day. And I can do rehab at night. I don't and think the insurance a- company was like,
1: no, you you're not going to do that. I mean I've never been to rehab, but I imagine that's not how rehab works. I mean Does maybe it? it works like that in Hollywood, but <laughs> that doesn't seem like a recipe to have <coughs> excuse me, a good result, uh, with rehab. Yeah. I'll do uh I'll I'll do late night rehab. I'll rehab on a night shift. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I mean re you know, the
1: whole point of rehab is that it's like a full time commitment. Yeah. Oof. All right, but uh, yeah, so that's uh, it was pretty interesting. All right, so we'll, let's talk about the performances. But I mean, Carrie Fisher could
0: have been a good Miss Scarlet. She would have been, I could totally see her in that part, but I, I think Jennifer, uh,
1: excuse me, Leslie Ann Warren is is great in the part too. Yeah, yeah, Carrie Fisher, she's like, she's really funny. She has like really good comedic chops. I, I kind of wish she kind of did more mm-hmm. comedic stuff. I mean, she did a good amount, like, you know, Harry Met Sally and whatnot, but like, I don't know, part of me thinks I, I should have done a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah. That's just me. Okay. Well, I mean, as far as um all our characters go, do you have a a favorite? I mean, like, I mean, I think they all do strong work. Like Martin Mull, Christopher Lloyd, of you know Leslie Ann Warren. I mean,
0: pretty much everybody in the movie is great. I'd say my particular favorites are probably Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum, because he's he's just so wonderfully pervy. <laughs> um, and like intellectual and pervy are just they're they're two great somewhat contrasting notes to play, and I really like uh, Michael McKeon as as Mr. Green, who's like that's a part that could so easily just tip into caricature, and Michael McKeon never really does that. He's he's just like he's more the nerdy guy than the gay guy. There are jokes about him being gay, but. I, not many of the jokes are just sort of like, ha ha, he's gay,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. Like they, I do appreciate that. Like they could have, he could have played it at like, you know, a stereotypical flaming gay, you know, flamboyant, but he, he right. really doesn't. Like he's just like a nerdy dude. No. Who's was like a very accident prone. Yeah.
0: A lot of other actors would just mince their way through the movie and that would get really tiresome. And yeah.
1: Like gone full, he, he's full, just full like
0: the wussy guy. What else? I mean, who, who do you
1: particularly like in the movie? Uh, I mean, Tim Curry does some really good work in this uh, mm-hmm. film, too. I think like, he was really good as uh, the butler, Wadsworth. Um, yeah. You know, he has some really good... There's one line I liked where he's talking to Professor Plum, where he says, Prof- Professor Plum, you were once a professor of psychiatry specializing in helping paranoid and homicidal lunatics suffering from delusions of grandeur. Then Plum says, yes, but now I work for the United Nations. Wadsworth says, so your work has not changed yeah yeah like a lot of sharp Um, lines there
0: a lot of clever lines like that i mean there there there's some lines towards the end they in a couple of the endings they say communism was just a red herring Mm. which is a very clever line uh i love in one of the endings professor Plum says well is the fbi in the habit of covering up multiple murders? And the response is, of course. Why do you think it's run by a
1: man named Hoover? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's a really clever line. Yeah. I like that one point uh, at the end, uh, well, towards the end of the film, where they're counting up all the other people that got murdered, and Wadsworth says, oh, three murders? And, six, and Mr. Green says, oh, no, there's, yeah. there's six altogether. That Wadsworth says, oh, this is, this is getting serious. <laughs> like, it's like a very sm- yeah, sm- yeah. subtle line. I, I,
0: there's a bit towards the end where after like there's, there's several blackouts in the movie where most of the murders are committed. And at one point after like the last rash of murders where like several people are murdered, um... You you see everybody just sort of shell-shocked. They're just wandering through the mansion and they just go from room to room. They glance at a room, they see yet another corpse and they're just blasé about it at this point. They all just stare at it for a second and then they walk out without a word.
1: <laughs> and it's it's
0: just hilarious. It's some great black comedy. I really love that.
1: Yeah, that was a good that was a good scene too. Uh I mean Madeline Kahn yeah. of course does some amazing work. I mean Her, uh, you know, her now famous ad lib lines about how much she hates, hated vet, flames on the side of my face, heavy heaving breaths. It's just, it's just beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a great bit. And most of the other actors weren't aware that she was going to be improv in that scene. (laughs) So their, their confused looks are for real. It was just Madeline Kahn and Jonathan Lynn, the director, knew that she was going to do that. Because, I mean, it's in a mystery, you can't improv too much, because you got plot points and stuff.
1: Yeah, you gotta stick to the script.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, I mean, everybody in this movie is good. There's, I don't think there's a, a bad performance in the movie. Leaving is, is like, eh. And apparently he was a, a choice that the studio forced on Jonathan Lynn. And Jonathan Lynn was like, well, I've I haven't gone along with them on any of their other casting choices, so I better give them this one. And Mr. Body's not the most consequential part in the movie because he gets killed pretty early on. So. Oh, wow.
1: Wait, so the studio wanted That's it him... That's an easy one to give in on. Yeah, so the studio had him in it just because he was like a hot star or something?
0: I guess. I don't know if... I. It's a weird choice, man. I, I don't think Fear ever had... Much in the way of mainstream success, or at least not that I can recall. So yeah. I don't know. But I guess he was the trendy person at the moment.
1: Hmm. All right. I guess. I guess. I mean, it's
0: it's a weird choice. It's a weird choice.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But I don't know. What if? Let,
0: let me ask you something. Something that's always kind of mystified me a bit about the movie, because the movie takes place in 1954. And we have, like, the, the patrol cop come by at one point, like, about halfway through the movie. And he, like, later becomes one of the victims as well. Does it seem weird to you that we have an African-American patrol cop in 1954? That seemed a little anachronistic to me.
1: Yeah. I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, I I mean, I get it. Maybe they wanted diversity, but, look, I, yeah. I'm like, I'm no history buff, but I'm pretty sure... There weren't too many uh, uh, brothers on uh, that. That's yeah. you know we're, we're working with the boys in blue. There might, I mean, there and, might and, have been.
0: I mean, it's it's possible. I'm sure, you know, there. But you'd think they'd still be walking a beat or something like that. And I'm not really complaining about it. I'm just saying, like, for that period of history, it seems a little unlikely
1: to me. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I hear you.
0: So, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, this is a tough movie to summarize because like there's, there's so much that goes on. It's a very densely plotted movie. And we were saying before we started recording, it's like so much happens in this movie. It's, we, we can't really hope to summarize it except in the broadest possible terms. It's, you gather all these people together in a mansion and a bunch of murders happen and
1: hilarity ensues. Yes. And you wouldn't think murder would be funny, but you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. It's it's a very
0: it's a very funny movie. I mean, and it's a very it's a very quotable movie too. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of great lines.
1: Yeah, I like there's that one line that uh Miss White has about how she believes her men should be like Kleenex, soft, strong and disposable. Mhm.
0: Yeah, that's a great line. It's a great line. A great great line. line. I mean, there, there's lots of, there's lots of clever wordplay where, um, <laughs> where they're, they're talking about uh, Colonel Mustard's blackmail and they say, Oh, you know, you've been caught in a double negative. And he goes negative. You mean have, you have photographs? And he says, Oh, well, your double negative has resulted in proof positive. And just a lot of clever stuff like that. Uh, it, it really works. And it, and it, it's the sort of thing that rewards multiple viewings too, because you can pick up on things that you missed the first time around.
1: Right. Yeah. Because I think like after I've, you know, after the first, after you watch the first time and you watch it again and again, you start to try to figure out how the mystery is going to, like you try to pick up on the clues that they leave and try to figure out who done it. I mean, are you one of those type of people? Like whenever you watch a mystery, you try to figure out, Who done it? Or you just sort of go along for the ride and then wait for the you know the the mystery to be solved at the end and to be like oh I think I think
0: that's a lot of the fun of a mystery is yeah you're trying to solve it along with the people in the movie or in the book Um, and yeah and it's a lot of fun I don't I don't know how if this is if this movie really plays fair with all the clues and stuff because I mean if you're gonna have multiple end endings. It kind of, by definition, has to be sort of arbitrary, where anybody could have done it. Right. So you can't really have clues that point to a specific person. Um, although, I mean, okay, well, how do how do the multiple endings work for you? We haven't talked much about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that. I mean, according to uh, IMDb, which I'm hoping is it lying to me again, saying that it was John yeah. Landis's idea to have three different endings play in different theaters. His reasoning was right. that if the audience caught Onto this gimmick, they would go, they would each go to the see the film three times. His plan backfired as people decided that they did not want to pay three times to see the same film.
0: Yeah, which uh, makes sense. And, you know, it's a not a long movie, so they probably would have been better off doing it how it typically airs on TV and how you can watch it on DVD nowadays, is where they just play the three endings one after another they they play the first one and then they say, that's one way it could have happened. How about this? And then they show the second ending and then they say, but this is what really happened. And then they showed the third ending, which I think most people are agreed on that the third ending
1: is the best. Uh, I would agree. Actually, according to, you know, we tweeted out that we were talking about this movie and our good friend mm-hmm. Manette Marathi said, which was our, which, which one of the endings was our favorite. And yeah, I would say the third one is the one that's the strongest just because it has so many twists and turns within it. And it, it seems yeah. to make, it seems to make more sense than the other two. It's a little bit more. I, I, I think the, the third one was the strongest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think the third one is definitely my favorite out of the bunch. And that's, that's the one that I sort of consider the real ending of the movie. And apparently the filmmakers do too. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's the most fun because everybody has some good notes to play in it. Um, so, but I mean, there's there's worthwhile stuff in all three of the endings.
1: Uh, um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and it was fun to see it in the theater back in the day, and I, I saw two out of the three endings. I think I either didn't make it to the third one or maybe I just got in my fill at that point. Oh. Maybe I didn't want to pay to see the, the same <laughs> movie three times. I, I think it was also kind of a crapshoot as to which ending you would get, and I okay. know I would have felt kind of cheated if I'd gone to see it twice and gotten the same ending.
1: Yeah, twice. It's you like know? you feel like it's like if you buy a pack of baseball cards and you get the same cards you got like last week or something. Yeah, you know, it's like ah. Uh, yeah, know what this exactly. End. But uh, according to exactly. again, you, according you to. Like yeah, According to IMDB, again, if it's not lying to me, uh, in some cities newspapers, print ads indicated which version, ending A, ending B, or ending C, was being shown at each theater. Right. That could have helped. Right. That could have helped you out. But,
0: I mean, apparently there was even some confusion about that because in Roger Ebert's review he said, like, like, when he saw the film, he saw it, all three endings, and then the studio told him, like, which end was ending B, which was a and which one was C um, but apparently there was confusion about that so it sounds like they really dropped the ball on the multiple ending thing
1: yeah and <laughs>
0: it's 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 a nice sounding idea um, but in retrospect it was probably more trouble than it was worth
1: yeah yeah it's uh, it's one of those gimmicks where it's like I this might I don't know if people jive with this, but it sounds good on paper. It sounds like, oh, this might be yeah. something that people do in the future. And no, this is the, this is the only, only time they ever did this.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's past the age of when they would do like those sort of William Castle type gimmicks where you had like electric buzzers in the chairs or something like that. It, it seems oh. like more something they would have done in the 50s. Uh, by 1985, we were kind of well past that. Right. I mean it could it could work better today if you did it on like Netflix or something where you can do branching endings as an option. And I know they've done a few Netflix endings or, or Netflix movies where they have that as an option. So yeah, I think it could it, work better today.
1: Yeah, I think they did that with um I believe it was that like uh, that Black Mirror movie where it's like a choose your own adventure and like you Right, that's what had, I was thinking of. Yeah, it had like multiple endings and, and whatnot. I mean mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe they could do that. Maybe they will have a uh, a choose your own clue adventure for Netflix. Maybe Ryan Reynolds, are you listening? I think we're giving you gold here.
0: Yeah, yeah it could be fun. Could be fun. But, but uh yeah, it's it's the most fun when you get to see the endings all one after the other. It's it's a little unsatisfying if you only get one, even if it's the best out of the three.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, like the first time I saw it was with all three endings and thought, oh, that's cool. And then I learned yeah. that actually when they aired in the theaters, only one, it was like, you know, there was uh, like all three endings didn't show up in the theater like that. It was like one ending. And I was like, oh, that's no. a, that's a twist. Very yeah. interesting,
0: And it's a, and it's a pretty short movie. I mean, it's like uh, only like 88 minutes, I think. And I think that's even with all three endings. So yeah. it's, it's a pretty quick watch. Um, but very entertaining.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, we probably should have mentioned. So there's there is one scene where a uh, singing telegram girl gets shot. That girl is a uh, Jane mm-hmm. Whelan from the Go Go's. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this movie has two it's kind musicians. Of
0: a thing. I, she, she pops up in a few movies around this time. I know she's also she also has a cameo in Star Trek 4. So
1: I guess she was just doing a bit of acting work at the time. I guess so. Yeah, it is weird how like she's in it. Lee Ving is in it. Has these musicians who get sh- murdered <laughs> in, in yep. this movie. I was like, hmm, interesting.
0: All right. But what uh, do you have? Any other favorite moments in the movie?
1: Uh see, favorite moments in the movie. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, there was like all these things where you're just trying to sort of follow along about like who has mm-hmm. what, like who has like you see at one point. Uh, Wadsworth locks up the weapons in the, um, in the, uh, in the cabinet and he locks it with the the key. Yeah. And he has a key. Then you see him about to throw out the key, but he doesn't throw away the key because the motorist shows up. So he puts the key away in his pocket. Like there was a lot of things where I was was trying to figure out who's, who's where at this place in time and who has the key Mm -hmm. and who does it. And where's this person off to? And did they discover the uh, secret passageway? that ends up like halfway through this movie there's a I, I was trying to really sort of keep my mind with like who who's going on with who's doing what here
0: yeah yeah it's it's interesting i mean cuz i i don't know if all the endings work with the body of the film cuz i think because there are different people who who commit the murders in different endings you have to make sure that those people aren't in the shot at crucial moments and i don't know if they always always pull that off but because it's like just kind of a big mob of people you don't always remember who if if there's a particular individual who's not there you just kind of remember the group of people right absolutely it all works yeah in in that regard
1: yeah but i mean i think ultimately my favorite part is probably probably the ending where uh wadworth says he figures out he knows who did it and then he yeah, At this point, it's the end of the film, and it gets very mm-hmm. frantic. and He runs from room to room, and uh, you know, and pretty much reenacting out the entire right. film that we've seen up until this point. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, Tim Curry seems really,
0: yeah, yeah, he's,
1: he's really giving his all in it. You could see him really going for it, too. And like, yeah, one point, I, I
0: like it, you know, he,
1: he the killer ran into the room, grabbed the knife,
0: run down the hole, and <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun, and he just gets more and more deranged as he's as he goes. And it's also just so absurd because he's, like, recapping the
1: entire movie, and he's going into way more detail than he needs to. Yeah. It's like, a, you had a letter? You had a letter? You had a letter? It's like, yeah, g- get on with it. We all had letters. Yeah,
0: yeah. I like another one of the recurring gags and he just says, you know, well, to make a long story short and then somebody says too late. Yeah, yeah. I still do that in life. <laughs> <As> <laughs> Whenever I hear somebody say to make a long story short, I instinctively want to say too late. too late. And if I do not say that to you in life, be assured that I am thinking it because my, <laughs> I have had that burned into my brain
1: since 1985. Fantastic, sir. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I would say, that's my favorite part. I also liked—I don't know—there there was something with uh, Tim Curry's performance. It was like so, like almost over the top, and like the way when he confronted mm-hmm. Colonel Mustard, saying how you know he Colonel Mustard was being blackmailed because he has photographs of Colonel Mustard with you know with another woman in flagrante delecto, like things like that. Yeah, yeah. like I was like, where did that word come from? I like it. But where to go yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, everybody's got like some really nice grace notes in their performance. I mean, every everybody's got at least a moment or two where they're just, oh, they're nailing it. There, there's one moment when they're like when Wadsworth's explaining all the murders to everybody, and and Colonel Mustard is like struggling to keep up, and Martin Mull just goes like, so whoever knew that the cook was involved killed her and then and then Wadsworth confirms this and you see Colonel Mustard he just like glances to the person next to him and he, he gives like a little confident nod like hey I got it <laughs> and it's just <laughs> hilarious it's it's just a really funny small moment but yeah it's it's great stuff it's great stuff. i mean everybody's playing off each other really well they they have a they have a nice chemistry together this cast
1: yeah, I would say that's another thing I would say. Like the chemistry between the cast is really, like, on point. Like everybody is, everybody has like good comedic chops. They're good bouncing off each mm-hmm. other. I mean, you know, of course, people like Madeline Kahn, Martin Mull. They've they've been you know they're doing comedy for forever. Uh, and uh, you know, and, and Tim Curry yeah. too. He has comedy chops too. This is a this is a really strong cast. I thought. Of course, uh, Michael McKean doing doing comedy forever. Like, yeah, this is like yeah. a really strong strong cast. I thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And every, everybody's bringing their a game in this. And it's, I mean, it's like so many people like at, at their peak, it feels like, I mean, you know, Christopher Lloyd's obviously killing it in 1985. Uh, Michael McKean is, is great. I mean, he, this wasn't too long after he did like spinal tap. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, an interesting bit of trivia I, I learned was uh this was actually. We, we talked about how Carrie Fisher went into rehab and couldn't do this movie. The, Eileen Brennan did this movie right after she got out of rehab. She apparently was in a really bad car accident in 1982. And she unfortunately had developed an addiction to painkillers. Oh, Lord. Uh, when she was recovering from that. And she went to rehab for that. And so this was like her first thing back. Oh, Which wow. was like, ooh, wow. <laughs> and ooh. apparently, um, they, the two of them were, uh, Eileen Brennan and Madeline Kahn were good friends up until they worked on this movie. They'd done uh, a previous movie together at Long Last Love. And according to an interview with uh, Eileen Brennan for Madeline Kahn's biography, Madeline Kahn, Being the Music a Life, uh, she believed Khan was too nervous to confront discussing Brennan's stint in rehab and kept interaction to a minimum. They rarely spoke again after shooting. So that that's mm. kind of sad. Yeah. So, you know, they were good friends, and then it, it was just awkward after she got out of rehab. That's, oh.
1: that's very unfortunate. That's a bummer.
0: Oh. Yeah. That's so sad. So, but, I mean, o- overall, it's it's a really fun movie, especially if you're any kind of mystery fan or like a board game fan. Certainly the best movie ever based on a board game. I'm, I'm going to say it. I haven't yeah. seen Battleship, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's better than Battleship.
1: Dude, I haven't even seen Battleship either. I will never see Battleship. So I'm going to say this is definitely better than Battleship. For Better
0: some. than Battleship. And better than... What are some other board game movies? Uh... Jumanji? Yeah. It's better than Jumanji. Sure. Let's go you know there. Jumanji
1: wasn't a real board game. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, I like that. Yeah. In your face, Jumanji. Yeah, step your game up, Jumanji. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so uh, also I've, I'm, I'm reading the IMDb, hoping it's not lying to me, but according to this, there was actually yeah. a, a fourth ending scripted and shot for this film, too. Oh,
0: yeah, we didn't talk about that. That's... Um... Apparently, accounts vary on whether it was shot or whether it was shot in full. Uh, they they axed that fourth ending because it wasn't up to par, but we kind of know what it was because it appears in the novelization and in like the young reader storybook
1: about the movie. So we kind of know what what the ending was. Okay. Well, I mean, according to IMDb, again, hopefully it's not lying to me, uh, there was actually a fourth yeah. ending scripted and shot in which Wadsworth committed all of the murders out of a twisted need for perfection in his life. He reveals that he poisoned mm-hmm. everyone with a slow-acting toxin in their drinks. It ended with Wadsworth being killed by the dogs as he attempted to escape by car from the house. The rather grim nature of the ending is probably why it was never released. It was shown because the filmmakers thought the ending would have been too obvious. It only survives in the novel, novelization and the storybook, which features a single photo that end from that ending, the chief punching Wadsworth in the stomach. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've al- we almost had an ending where everybody croaks.
0: Yeah, that and also that sounds like kind of a downer,
1: you know? Yeah.
0: It kind of... Even even though the movie's like very blasé about all the people dying uh, over the course of it, I think killing off most of the cast would probably be a bad way to go.
1: Yeah, it's like one of those things, like if you're, you ever, you've ever heard of the uh, original ending for like Little Shop of Horrors, it just sounds like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, where the plant
1: eats the world, yeah. Yeah, that's, ooh, that's, that's it's too dark, too dark.
0: Well i yeah apparently, like with that that was it was an ending that worked well on stage, but it didn't work well in the movie um, mm. but yeah so but it it's a really fun movie, and it's it's definitely worth seeing if you haven't seen it we've We've tried to keep relatively spoiler free we haven't like talked about the the endings that they used real
1: extensively, so you can you can
0: still enjoy those and be surprised by who done it,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, I would, I would absolutely, even if you know, I mean, yeah, we kind of didn't tell you who'd done it because like there are a bunch of different endings, but either way, this, we highly recommend you check out this film. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. a pleaser, my friends. It's a pleaser.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's become a cult classic for a reason. And you you still see it like, you know, people love doing memes about this movie. You, You see like the Madeline Kahn flames on the side of my face. Being cool. used uh, all the time on on Twitter and stuff, so it's uh, like a few years ago on the the series um, Psych, they did a tribute episode to Clue, and they had uh, Leslie Ann Warren, Martin Mull, and uh, Christopher Lloyd guest star.
1: Oh, nice! That's
0: yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I've never seen that episode, but I should I should check it out. I, I haven't seen too much of Psych, but.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I know it's another show that has like a huge cult following. It seems like a lot of the stuff that has like a cult following from like the '80s and '90s is starting to sort of truly get its due nowadays, which uh, I yeah, think it's pretty great. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm glad the movie's more appreciated now, and I think it, it showed up on TV a lot. I mean, uh, Michael McKean's theory on that was like it's it's about a lot of adult stuff, but. It doesn't, it isn't really adult. He's like, there are no dirty words. There's no top-ness. Um, It's it's good television programming. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Martin Mull says. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael McKean said something uh, similar along the lines. He was like, you know, there's sex, there's murder and blackmail, but it does you know, it's not really explicit. It's a, and it's a PG movie. So, you know, anything that happens, it's still kind of innocent. And it's, it's perfectly... Find the air on afternoon TV, and I think that was probably
1: a reason why it aired so much. It was also probably pretty cheap, considering mm. it didn't do well at the box office. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this, this movie, I mean, even though there's tons of murders in it, not very bloody at all. It's pretty... No,
0: no. I mean, like, the most you see is, like, a couple people with blood on their hands. Like, it's, it's still like that old-fashioned thing where somebody gets shot, and they just put their hand up to their chest and fall over. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has any exit wounds or anything like
1: that. <laughs> it's all like, oh! And they yeah. fall over.
0: It's I mean it's very stagy in that way, but it works because they're in the period where that was kind of how you still shot people in movies. Ooh.
1: So it's it's fun in that regard. Yeah. yeah. absolutely. And uh yeah, so I guess that's our that's our episode. Uh, Clue mm-hmm. 1985 uh, still holds up, lives up to the yeah. cult classic hype. Guys, check it out if you haven't seen it. It's still it's still out there. It's on DVD and and the like. Uh, I believe yeah. it's on Showtime right now. That's where I saw it. But uh, yeah, dude, oh, okay. to, go to That's watch. Cool.
0: I actually own the DVD. Um, a, a neat feature on the DVD is that you can, if you want to, just play the movie with one of the ra- the three endings randomly. You can do that, or you can watch all three endings all in a row. Nice. Um, you know, it it might be fun just to do a random ending the first time you're watching it and. Or, or watch all three in a row. I'm not the boss of you. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Yeah, you do you. You do That's you. That's what you do. Um, also, something neat that I found out is, um, like, apparently Jonathan Lynn, when the anniversary of the film rolled around and they were putting it out on Blu-ray, he went to the studio and said, hey, I'd love to do a commentary or something. And the studio was like, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Like this movie deserves a a commentary or like a making of featurette. And I hate that we don't have any cool extras like that on the DVD, but apparently some enterprising fan uh, got together with Jonathan Lynn and they recorded their own uh, commentary track. So um, I'll I'll put up a, uh, I I haven't listened to it yet, but I'll listen to it and I'll put up a link to it on the uh, SNL nerds uh, show. Twitter account so you can you can listen along, watch and listen along to Jonathan Lynn telling you all cool bits of trivia about the
1: movie and
0: not like that lie IMDB
1: trivia yeah, this where f- we don't know what to believe anymore. Oh my god, it's all it's all false fake news that they're putting yeah. on IMDb. Trying to trying to lie to the good people. I'm mm-hmm. sick of it. It's not right. It's not, not right. right. Ain't right. Uh uh. And uh yeah, and I guess that's the episode, right? I... I think so. Okay. I think so. Well, guys, that's our episode. Uh check out Clue. It's it's fucking phenomenal, it's hilarious. Uh, if anybody having like a clue themed party, invite us. We'd we'd love to be part of it. Yeah. Uh, I actually know. like
0: th- there are like occasional midnight screenings of clue. And one time I did do a clue shadow cast thing, like you know, what they do for Rocky Horror. And I played uh, Mr. Green in that, and that was so much fun. Ooh, nice! This is so much. Fun. this was
1: ages cool. ago. This was like back in the late '90s. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, uh, so much fun! <laughs> so much
1: fun! Oh, fantastic! All right, cool. Well, guys, if you're having a clue-themed party, uh, you know, reach out to uh, Mr. John Trumbull here. He's a he's a, a licensed Thesbian, and he's done this before. Mm-hmm. He's experienced uh, Mr. Green. Available, yes. for, ab- available for parties, quinceañeras, weddings, funerals, the whole life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, reach out to me. I'll give you my rates. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Thanks again for listening so much. Uh, you know, as always, you can uh, rate, review, subscribe, the, the whole magilla. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. You can donate mm-hmm. to our Patreon at non-productive.com. Give us some money. Put some dough in our pockets. Help us uh, help us launch this baby to the next level, my man Ray. And as always, yeah. you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Incredible. That's D-A-R-I-N-Credible.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And uh, that's it for our episode 199. Mm. So, Darren, next week, it's our 200th episode.
1: And they said it wouldn't last. They said it couldn't last.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. No, I think they said it should last. That's what they said.
1: That's what they said. <laughs> they said we'd come and last.
0: Yeah. But uh hey, we've we've defied all of them. We proved all of them wrong. We we're still here. We're still standing. That's and right. So we're we're gonna celebrate with a very special episode next week. Do we wanna talk about who we're talking to next week for our two hundredth episode?
1: Uh you know what? I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling generous. The, the the listeners have earned it. Let's tell them.
0: All right, all right. Let's lay it on them. Uh, well, you know, back when we did uh, was it episode one hundred and fifty, we talked to our very first SNL cast member. We got to talk to uh, Siobhan uh, Fallon, and that was a, that was a lot of fun. And so we wanted to keep that going for episode two hundred. So we decided to Darren. I think you should say it because you were you were instrumental in getting this person
1: ladies and gentlemen we done did it boys and girls hold on to your hats episode 200 we are talking to former snl cast member the one and the only mr gary kroger yeah yeah right and
0: uh, gary kroger if you don't remember he was on the show between like 82 and 85 i think it was he might have left in 84 i'm a little fuzzy on that now we recorded this episode a couple weeks ago, and it's really good. He's a great, great interview. He has all sorts of cool stories to tell about Woo! his time on the
1: show. Yeah, he has. I mean, if if you've ever seen uh the Needleman sketch, the uh, the de- the dentist sketch, mm-hmm. I highly recommend you watch that. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's the done Superman s- audition sketch. Superman uh, Aud- that's a
0: favorite of mine. That's from when Chris Farley was hosting. Uh, that's a great sketch. He, he he did a lot of cool stuff, and it's it's a overlooked era of the show because it's like during the time that lauren wasn't running the show so you don't see it
1: as often in reruns and stuff but we had a ton of fun
0: talking to him he's he's yeah. just a great guest
1: yeah folks don't i'm i'm not i'm not a sugar coating it like this dude was a great get and he is a conversationalist and he has stories galore that'll just keep you mm-hmm. keep you glued like so you do not want to miss this episode all right this is yeah this is one for the books this is one for the ages this was there's a hoot and a half. Like so, tune in for episode two hundred of Yes, SNL episode Nerds. Episode two
0: hundred next week. Woo! So check that out, and uh, and we got some cool stuff going uh, beyond that. We're 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 figuring it out right now. We're we're gonna we're right now. We're gonna have some guests from other podcasts come on. We're gonna be guesting on another podcast. Mm. Talking about some other SNL movies.
1: Yeah, gonna... season right around the corner.
0: Oh. I mean, it's
1: nowhere to go but up oh man baby we're, we're going straight to the top my man straight we're going to the straight to the top that's right forget it forget it so
0: all right so yeah next week gary kroger episode 200 dig it and until then nerd out. out this has been a non-productive media presentation